politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, and our property, as well as what actually matters to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today, Tuesday, September 20th. And I have a hypothetical question for you that's not so hypothetical. Let's say the FBI was sent around to rape all political opponents in the country, opponents of the regime, strap them down and inject them with death shots while they're at it, throw them out of their houses and give them to illegal aliens, and then drag the rest of us off to prison while letting out real murderers and rapists from prison. Would that scenario be enough for Republicans to be willing to engage in a budget fight and hold up support for this budget and actually message how evil it is? First of all, enumerate the evil things they're doing and then message how bad it is, convey that to the public, that we're not going to fund that hypothetical FBI for doing that. And I think the answer is no. I don't think there is anything that will happen that will prompt a righteous response. Now, it's not so hypothetical because on each one of those uh, points I raised in that scenario, we're about one level below that. (laughs) Okay, so they are killing millions with a death shot. They are letting out prisoners. They're letting out illegal aliens everywhere. Maybe they didn't physically throw us out of our homes yet, um, and they're not physically raping people yet, but they certainly are arresting political opponents. And there's nothing... And and, and now we have... uh, the Senate, the House Judiciary Committee minority uh, staff, Jim Jordan's staff, uh, they have whistleblowers from the FBI. Thank God they're finally coming forward, at least a few of them, saying that actually they're taking agents off of sex assault cases to exclusively go after political enemies. And everyone's kind of talking about this. Some of the issues I mentioned, certainly the FBI, but nobody's doing anything about it and bringing it to the goal line and past the goal line taking us to the brink, forcing resolution of the issue. This is what I've been talking about the last couple days, and I want to continue on this theme today. We're not just living through an era of one plus one equals five. It's worse than that. It's we're living through an era where one plus one equals two, and you can even express it, and people see it, and then they'll say, therefore, five. Meaning, one plus one equals two. Therefore, policy-wise, we're going to continue doing five. And like, what we... You just admitted that this is happening. You admit that we have a border crisis. You admit that the clot shots aren't working and are killing people. You admit the pandemic's over, but yet you're continuing to force the military to get it. What? How how does that work? And the answer is very simple. Because this is the anatomy of a controlled opposition. We don't have a political party that is forcing the resolution. They might address a talking point and the information might get out to some depending on the issue it might depend on how much it gets out but then we keep going on and in fact usually the republicans help them exacerbate that given issue give them more funding in a budget bill pass even a new bill like the chips bill that they did to help them rather than pouring water on the fire to give them a blowtorch to blow the fire up even more. That is the consequence of the Republican-controlled opposition. I want to talk about this through the prism of illegal immigration, uh, COVID, 
Food and Fuel and the FBI and some of the important issues of the day. First, our sponsor today, um, as you well know, with all the criminals being let out of prison, you cannot count on the police to protect you. In fact, they're only there to enforce tyranny these days. That's why I recommend iTarget Pro for the best dry fire practice learning how to win a gunfight. Okay, so you know, typically I go to the range, I down maybe 300 rounds. It's a fortune these days. What if I told you you can get 95% of the benefits of real practice at the range through dry fire in the comfort of your home and you make back the cost of that laser bullet from iTarget Pro with just one training session? If you go to the letter I targetpro.com it's itargetpro.com offer code cr you can get 10% off plus free shipping what is it so you put this laser dummy bullet in your gun and it's any caliber of handgun or rifle it has 223 as well but certainly 9 mil 45 caliber and you download their propriety app they send you a board you aim it at that board first you make sure you have no real ammo around point in a safe direction um, follow all the safety rules, and it renders the shots. You can even time your draw from the holster. So you have muscle memory of uh, trigger control. So most people, their problem is they jerk the trigger. They don't have that smooth press. It will show up. So it's great to practice, lots of fun, and it's it's critical to keeping up your training without spending thousands of dollars a year on ammo. So again, go to itargetpro.com, offer code CR. That's itargetpro.com, offer code CR. So yesterday we were talking about illegal immigration, and it appears that Ron DeSantis is now getting ready to send his next plane load to Delaware. And again, this is what we need to do to draw attention. The best we can do now is draw attention to force resolution. Everyone knows that we have an insane border crisis. It's not a border crisis. It's an invasion. It's human trafficking being done by our government. They're bringing in drugs. They're bringing in everything. You can't imagine the crime and drugs and national security concerns and cultural concerns and fiscal cost that's being brought in. And... Mitch McConnell will talk about it, but they won't do anything about it. As we noted, what needs to be done is we need to force the states to start deporting and then have a budget fight over this at a federal level to strengthen the hand of the states in that fight. Okay, just in two sentences, I laid out what should be done. No one else is really pointing to that that that, that concern. So... Yesterday comes out, CBP reports, 203,598 aliens caught in August. So now we have data for 11 of the 12 months of this fiscal year. Right now we're in the final month of FY 2022. We are now at 2.15 million border encounters, the most in history, first time over 2 million in one year. Easily over 500,000 gotaways and that, and as we noted, that's always underestimated. So we could be talking about, you know, once the year is done and the final month is in, close to 3 million illegals. Some of the encountered were returned through Title 42, but you're easily, easily going to have the growth of a population of, let's say, 2 million illegals. This is the 19th month in a row of more than 100,000 border encounters in a given month. 
never has happened unparalleled in our history. And we are now at the point where just in the first year and a half of Biden, we've exceeded the number of illegals caught during the entire eight years of Obama. And remember that border crisis. That's when the Central Americans began, particularly in the second term. The first term actually slowed down because of the Great Recession. Second term, right after he announced DACA, is when you had the Central American wave. That's when it you know, switched from Mexico to Central America primarily. And now it's a mixture of both again, as well as you know, Venezuela, Uruguay, um, Ecuador, and, and all over the world. The reason why I'm mentioning this is to demonstrate to you the Overton window. How because Republicans refuse to do what's right at, at the given time, and in fact they helped the other side, and they still are, as we mentioned yesterday, they're pushing an ag amnesty bill. But that's what a controlled opposition is. Then we suffer something 10 times worse from what we previously thought was the worst iteration of that issue. Be it crime, be it illegal immigration, be it spending levels, be, be it welfare dependency, be it government tyranny and violation of civil liberties. Whatever it is, worse than ever. So when it requires a, a level five response, Republicans are at, well, Republicans are at a negative, they're helping it, but conservatives are at a two. When, we, when it's at a 10, they're at a six. Anything short of state deportations for what is going on is a waste of time. This problem is greater than anyone could ever imagine. And it's obvious, everyone agrees. The polling on this is unbelievable. Okay, everyone, I mean, even liberals are turning on, on, on the left. It's so obvious. It used to be a very subtle problem. People didn't really notice it. So like, yeah, let's have some compassion. You know, I was always a winning issue. But now it's a super majority issue. And yet still Republicans won't fight on it. And the point is, this along with the transhumanism, the food and fuel arson, the medical tyranny, the people dying from the shots, we cannot wait even until, you know, Republicans take over January, February 2023, much less February 2025 with a supposed GOP trifecta in Washington, even if they would work for us, right? Even if they were good. Nobody is saying, giving us a solution. Everyone's like, that Republican. I mean, even some of the good guys we have on the show. I get it. They got to play the line. They're like, oh, make sure to go out and vote Republican. Nobody is giving us a blueprint of what should be done now. You can't wait to stop this invasion. And they won't. They'll say, they'll pass some legislation out of the House and they'll say, look, we don't have control of the Senate, or if they do, they won't have anywhere near 60 votes and Biden won't be president anyway. So, look, we can't do anything. This is why, if you are not putting pressure, on the governors and state legislatures to follow Ron DeSantis' example and, and, and uh, accept his offer to create a compact between the states for a return to Mexico policy. Again, he's doing this to draw attention, unlike Abbott, that it's not just a gimmick, but to draw attention to the issue so that we could, rather than flying them to blue areas, fly them out of the country. And deter them altogether. But there is no inkling of Republicans 
to do this in the other states, nor to fight on the budget bill. I don't know what it's going to take. These numbers are insane. The amount of drugs that they bring across. And again, you're always going to have drugs in the country. But I think what we've learned is that there's a difference between the drug crisis we faced in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s and what began right around 2013 to 2015 with the rise of DACA and the turbocharging of the border. Because it helps in three ways. It helps distract the agents. They shove all the you know illegal aliens at them so then they can more easily bring in the drugs. Higher quantities, number one. Number two, the illegals actually pay for all that money. The billions of dollars they're making off of human trafficking funds their entire drug operation. And number three, a lot of the illegals themselves become drug traffickers both over the border but also internally in the cities distributing you know, becoming the distributors for the cartels and the gangs. And a lot of the gang members are brought in to run that as well. You cannot understand how this is killing our civilization. And again, one plus one equals two. Most Republicans, you get up there, Kevin McCarthy, he'll talk about the drugs and the illegal aliens coming through the border. We need to secure our border. The wall is immaterial at this point. See, even if you, here's the deal. Even if you could get the government to fight or, or, or get Republicans to fight on something to defund the FBI, defund um, CDC or Pfizer or whatever, which they never will. But this is a different issue. This, you have to affirmatively get them to enforce the law. We could defund DHS, which might be a worthy idea, but you're not going to secure the border, right? That's the point. You can't force an administration that doesn't want to do the right thing to do the right thing. They're not going to do it. So what's your answer? We'll wait till 2025 to do this? Could you imagine 200,000 illegals per month encountered, plus another 50 to 100,000 non-encountered that are a bunch of criminals, every month for the next... What would it be until a Republican is potentially inaugurated? 28 months? 28 months times 250,000 a month? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's why anyone who is not talking about state deportations is off message. And then obviously we have the instability of inflation, folks, with gold now down, off its peak, now's the best time to invest in gold. Um, the dollar is going to go to hell in a handbasket. Inflation is going to be through the roof. Um, if nothing else, we're going to have scarcity of vital goods and services. This is not a warning. This is already in the pipeline. It's happening. Europe is already done, and we're a step behind them. What are we going to do about that? No one has an answer to that either. But at least you could take your own future in your own hands rather than putting your IRA or 401k into the casino stock market and funding Google and Apple. You can use Birch Gold to convert your IRA or 401k 
into gold and silver. Get started now by texting Daniel to 989898. With thousands of satisfied customers and an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, Birch Gold can help you protect your savings today. Do what I did after filing my taxes last year. Text Daniel to 989898. Get a free info kit. No obligation. How to invest in gold and silver, particularly converting your retirement account so it doesn't sit in Apple and Google stocks. Text Daniel to 989898 to protect your savings from the cartel with gold. So I just wanted to quickly read to you just the severity of what's going on an analysis from a friend of mine who was a top official at DHS under Trump, and he just came back from Arizona. And this was his report. The Border Patrol are AWOL, literally not working at the border. We traveled a large portion of existing fence and open territory near the border. Didn't see a single Border Patrol agent. The cartels have operational control of the entire area, including on U.S. soil. They have lookouts and relays in key spots including on National Park's property. It was a bit disconcerting since we knew they were nearby but could not see them. Um, He pointed out specifically Coronado National Memorial, which is right at the Mexican border in Arizona in Cochise County. Um, They literally have them. They they control federal lands. Um, we, We don't have sovereignty of our own border. While Republicans are sending tens of billions of dollars every week to Ukraine, They will not have a budget fight for our border. We saw tons of rusting new fence material and unfinished light posts that we didn't have time to finish under Trump. While that's not new, what we learned from county law enforcement is that those unused materials actually make it more dangerous for anyone there. It blocks law enforcement movement and creates fatal funnels, they call them. So you have these like, you have these bollard fences piled up horizontally. You know, let's say you'll have dozens of them of the panels piled up so you know they're like 10 feet high and they can't see what's going on but there's gaps between them because it's not actually installed and they could get ambushed um they have access roads but then the lighting the administration <laughs> turned off the lighting so they can't see what they're doing it's very dangerous to patrol it um the men and women down there that they're finding are predominantly military aged men wearing fatigues entering the US Um, The image is that it's all women and children, but again, as we know, it's mainly military men, and you're seeing that. And by the way, they are sending women over as the drug couriers because they know we don't have enough female jail space. It's funny how we like doing everything co-ed, transgenderism. They say you have to allow men into female prisons, but somehow when it comes to that, we'll be very strict, and we'll be like, well, we don't have female holding space, so we let them go, and the cartels know that they're holding, that that's why they're sending females. Um... And he obviously talked about the fentanyl that's pouring over while they distract the agents. So, again, everyone knows this is happening. Everyone knows this is a winning issue. Republicans will talk about it. Oh, vote Republican. What are you going to do about it? You don't control DHS, and you're not going to until the earliest January 20th, 2025. So what are you going to do right now? And the answer is state deportations and buttressed by a federal funding fight. Republicans right now have the votes to block it in the Senate and certainly in the House after January, but not only aren't Republicans doing that, they're promising to pass an omnibus in December, taking away that leverage for an entire year. Again, go down your list of top 
20 conservative podcasts and talk show hosts and radio hosts and cable hosts. Who is calling this play call? Nobody. So again, this is how we get it. Oh yeah, the border's worse than ever, so therefore uh, we're going to continue funding it and have some of our Republicans push for more amnesty. You know, there's a poll out, an NBC poll that listed like the top 10 issues and said, who do you trust more, Republicans or Democrats? And do you know the one that the Republicans won on most was border security? Plus 36 margin. Now, there's really two categories in this poll. There's the things that Republicans are winning on because the public understands the issue and they understand that what the Democrats are doing is so harmful and they automatically wrongly assume, well, if there's Coke, there's Pepsi. If there's Yankees, there's Red Sox. Okay? If the Democrats are having open borders, it must mean the Republicans want the other way around. So they actually trust the Republicans. Then there's the other issues where actually the Democrats are winning on because the Republicans don't even rhetorically indulge those issues and and tell the people the severity of what the Democrats are doing on those issues. And, and um, you know, they certainly don't provide an alternative view. So the, the Democrats are still winning on them. You know, education, Dems plus 11, healthcare, Dems plus 20. Healthcare, could you imagine after everything we've gone through? Because again, they talk about giving freebies for healthcare, and they've always won on that issue. Imagine if we would have had a party the last two and a half years talking about the genocide in the hospitals, the genocide of the creation of COVID, of the shots, and promising healthcare freedom, promising availability of healthcare where you can go to a doctor for much cheaper even the welfare programs, block, give them block grants for vouchers that you can go anywhere and get access to the best health care. No, they have no narrative on that whatsoever. That is malpractice, that Democrats are plus 20 on that. And then the biggest thing, Democrats are plus 22 on abortion, which again, I mean, I have my own views on that. I think when you have half-baked conservatism where they're extremely strong on abortion but extremely weak on healthcare freedom and other issues, it works against them, and, and I think that's showing. But if you look on the issues they're winning on, plus 36 on border security, plus 23 on crime, plus 19 on immigration, plus 19 on economy, plus 14 on cost of living, even plus 9 on protecting rights. So the public wants change and Republicans broadly indulge them but when it comes down to it they're not doing anything and they will not do anything about it these are issues for which we cannot wait another month we cannot wait another month to get relief from the FBI like a terrorist organization monitoring, surveilling and attacking political dissidents we can't wait another month to stop the gain of function and the genocidal shots that are killing people left and right. And to get treatment for it and to hold people accountable. We can't wait another month, literally, to deal with the food and fuel crisis. That they are warning us. This will happen. We will have a nuclear winter. They might also throw in the flu and other pathogens for the winter to have a twindemic of climate fascism mixed with biomedical fascism. What is the answer? It's like, yeah, this is what's happening, so therefore, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. 
At its core, I think social media has paralyzed conservative thought and initiative. I remember when I just started in this, even establishment Republicans, they screwed us on a lot of issues, but there were a few issues they cared about, and they would actually fight for it. Now there's not a single issue they'll fight for. Because conservative talkers, both elected, unelected, they satiate their desire to accomplish something through the means of your daily social media posting. So every day, they just post another thing. Oh, look, the Dems did this. Look, they did that. Some days, they're stupid talking points. Some days, they're good talking points. But talking points nonetheless and nothing beyond that. They never take it past the goal line. So what are you going to do with it? Uh, Vote Republican in the next election. Federal and won't even focus on the states. That's the problem. So everyone's with their talking points. More than ever... You know, we have unity on crime and immigration. But they're not making the play calls on what we should do with it. And then on the other stuff, they won't even fight. But you go on to the budget bill. We should have a knockdown, drag-out budget fight over immigration, energy, COVID, and the FBI. And yet they'll never do it. And not only won't they do it, There's one thing, okay, it's a clean CR. They won't push their initiatives, but the Democrats won't push theirs. No, Biden is demanding that his extra riders and spending or anomalies, they're called anomalies. So you basically have a continuing resolution. You continue funding for the status quo, but you'll stick in a couple of extra new policies. So Biden wants another $36 billion for Ukraine. Republicans are about to agree. This is from CNN. Um, Republicans signal early support for $12 billion in Ukraine aid. $12 billion to be added to the continuing resolution. So not only aren't they going to cut off the funding, fight, say, look, you're, you're giving money to a corrupt oligarch. We're not getting anything for it. There's no transparency for it. And all you're doing is funding more pain with no resolution and funding pain on, on the energy front. GOP support is essential because at least 10 Republicans would be needed to break a filibuster attempt. So CNN notes that Republicans right now have the power to block it. But John Cornyn said that there would be at least $11 billion in funding for Ukraine. Senator Mike Rounds, another Republican dirtbag from South Dakota, Armed Services Committee guy, he said he's open for discussion. At least Rick Scott, who's been a little bit more feisty. I think he wants to run for president. He's he's kind of a little bit more cautious on that. But the point is, the GOP leadership on the issues that matter, not only won't they use that as leverage to, to, to fight the funding, they'll add more funding. They said they won't include more monkeypox funding. Okay, I guess that's progress. That's what they're doing. They're funding more of this. They complain about inflation and they're funding the very impetus for this nuclear winter. And and again, they'll say, no, 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 we disagree. We, We would ramp up our fossil fuels. But here's the deal. But as I mentioned last week, the Republicans are funding the green mean machine, the green energy, and they're funding the sanctions on Russia and the Ukraine stuff. So if you're gonna... You know you don't have the power to push fossil fuels. So if you're going to fund a shutoff of everything else and a transition to green energy, 
then you're going to get the same outcome. And now they do have the leverage. They could push some, you know, energy provisions through the budget bill, but they won't. They'll give them the Ukraine funding without securing pipelines and drilling and permitting and oil refineries, deregulation, deregulation of nuclear, and all the certainly the war on coal, which might be even more significant now than, than oil and gas, because what I'm telling you is headed into the winter, the bigger problem is with electricity. And again, what we're learning from Europe is, you know, I don't mean to downplay the pain to families, but okay, you know, heating is important. So let's say your bill was 300 a month. Now it'll be 450 a month. That's a huge increase, but you know, you're, you gotta, you know, you'll, most people could, could have, could absorb that. But what's the bigger deal is the businesses. That's huge. Cause you're talking about a much greater dollar amount. It's shutting down farms. It's affecting food. It's affecting everything. And that's coal. The amount of coal um, reserves and production that we have shut down over the last decade, but really accelerating last couple of years is unbelievable. That really hits electricity bad. Theoretically, if we had to you know, put all of our resources into promoting natural gas, we could probably replace that. But, but, but you know, the same people who don't want coal don't want new, uh, natural gas, even though it's very clean, because it was never about the environment. It was about transhumanism. So nothing on Republicans from the border, nothing on them from energy. They're like, this is terrible. They're saying what we're saying on energy. But yet, they won't do anything about it. And nothing on the FBI. Again, the whistleblower just reported to the minority staff on the House Judiciary Committee from the FBI that they are taking agents off of investigations of child sex offenses so they can go after us. You understand, literally the entire apparatus of the CIA, FBI, NSA, DIA, DHS is focused on people like you and me. And this leads into the, the, the other point of leverage, which is the defense authorization bill. It's actually the GOP senators are sending letters to the Democrats saying, hey, we need to rush and pass the defense authorization bill. What do you think you're funding? You're funding this. No, but I'm pro-military. You could be pro-military all you want, but the military has become a Trojan horse. That military is dead. Killed. We mourned it. One day, maybe we could rebuild. But for now, if you fund that without prohibiting and offering criminal and civil penalties and cause of action against the spying and all this stuff, that's what the military is doing. Bioterrorism, gain of function, transgenderism, green energy. They're behind all of this, as we noted. We think it's the blue-haired folks at the EPA Left-wing NGOs, well, it is left-wing NGOs, but you know who's behind it? The Pentagon, NSA, CIA. They are a bigger problem than CDC and HUD and EPA and all those organizations. They're a bigger problem. They are the source of this. Of the constant emergencies, the controlled demolition, setting up all these front groups. You know, people forget the reason why they went after Flynn. 
Flynn was a bigger threat than Trump ever was. General Flynn is because Flynn himself was, you know, ran the DIA at some point and he knew what they were doing. Flynn wanted to audit when, when Trump was originally going to bring him in. Flynn wanted to audit all of the front groups that the intel community has set up. See, when we look at these like agitation groups, if you ever wonder, how has the left been so successful in their PR war, in their policy? They're able to implement every left-wing idea, culture, banning straws, I mean, every little big in every county, and they're so successful. What, you think it's a bunch of blue-haired crazies defecating on police cars that succeeded in that? Where do you think that came from? So many of these NGOs, it's not just, okay, like left-wing Ben and Jerry's money. You have that. Soros money. It's the intel community. And a lot of that is tied to Soros, WEF. All gets back to Jeffrey Epstein and, and people like that. That's what we need to recognize. So Republicans actually fund the rope to hang us. Not only don't they use them as leverage points to say, well, look, we're not going to fund this until we get concessions on on these 10 issues. No, they're like, we need to fund it even more. We're pro-military. What are you talking about? Wake up and smell the coffee. Well, I'm a Reagan conservative. I like the military. Well, this ain't the 1980s, buddy. You got to wake up. Stop with that muscle memory. All these conservatives do is they have this muscle memory of, of 30, 40 years ago, and they can't get off of it. They're focused on the same issues, same strategies, same talking points, same way of thinking. you got to deal with the here and now. And then that leads me to COVID. One plus one equals two, therefore five. Biden literally declares the pandemic's over. That's an amazing talking point. Now, the White House is walking it back. They're very scared about it. CNN Politics White House says COVID-19 policy unchanged despite Biden's comments that the pandemic is over. They're scared about that. But we have them around the neck on that. Why aren't Republicans going for the ground and pound? You got your opponent on the ground here. Why is it that we have the best talking points? The public's on our side. They're self-destructing. You have COVID fatigue for sure. Why aren't Republicans saying, therefore, we need to end certainly all the mandates everywhere, which there still are plenty of federal mask mandates and federal, um, you know, health care and um, certainly the military mandates at a time when we have recruitment problems. I mean, if you ever thought of a winning issue, that's a winning issue if I've ever seen one. You have recruitment problems and they're keeping out people from the military. To this day, 17-year-olds that didn't get the shot can't be recruited to join the military. Republicans don't even talk about that. Instead, Republicans are like, yes, Biden's right. The, 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 the pandemic's over. Well, it should be over, but it's they're, they're not over with it. And if you just walk away from it and deem it, deem it over with without using the budget bill to fight this, it won't be over. And certainly to stop funding and distributing and approving shots based on negative data, no data, no human trials, when Biden admits the emergency is over with, and therefore demand that the PrEP Act be rescinded and all the other emergency authorization. Now's the time you got him in his own words. But this is how you have a situation where on paper we're kind of winning 
but not really. See, typically, people in their own minds, oh, Republicans took care of that already. Ah, they, they got exposed on crime. They got exposed on, on the border. They got exposed on energy. They got exposed on, on COVID. Well, they might have gotten exposed to some degree, but Republicans refuse to talk about it. And even if they do, they won't press the advantage and they'll just kind of stop. Yeah, the COVID's over with. So therefore, we're going to fund uh, a shot that's dangerous. Nowhere is this more evident than in this study that's came out in Curious. By Saudi researchers, an unbelievable paper is out, just published. And it literally is like, yeah, this thing has cataclysmic degree of adverse events for children. They, I, I'm going to read the data to you. It's unbelievable. And you know what their conclusion was? Our findings might enhance public trust in the COVID vaccine, which could speed up immunization procedure. Like, what? <laughs> it's like, what What just happened? That's literally what they'll publish. You have all these studies now. There's plenty. I, I, I could spend all week just on academic papers that come out that show the genocide. But they, um, they'll couch it, I guess, to get it published. They'll either mealy-mouth it, or in this case, they say the opposite. So basically the talking point, just before we get into the nitty-gritty, just to summarize, what, what would you say is a typical adverse events for shots? You'd say, you know, a very small percentage get kind of sick from it, like cold-like, flu-like symptoms from, let's say, a flu shot. And then, you know, the serious adverse events like that you need to be hospitalized for, one in 100,000. Okay, that's, that's typically what you would say. They have a shot here that proves that more than 50% of kids got flu-like symptoms. And it proves that 2.3% of those who got symptoms had to be hospitalized. And they're like, that's a small amount. You see, it's such a small amount. Most people don't get adverse events. So now the new thing is, so let's say, you know, 45% of all people get heart attacks in the shot. Well, like, you know, 55% didn't. Wow, that's amazing. This is literally the point that we're at with the shots. It's unbelievable how they've moved the Overton window over. And I'm going to do some math for you. But anyway, they looked at, um, they followed through a survey about 1,000 12 to 18-year-olds in Riyadh who got the shots between July 2021 and March 2022. Now again, these are they followed them after the first and second dose. There were no boosters yet. This is very important because we now know increasingly it's dose dependent and they themselves show that. You get the more doses you get, the more the greater the percentage of adverse events. And the reason why I say that is cuz now we're at the point it, what they're pushing are they're on doses four and five for most people. So all the numbers that we see, the likelihood of you getting a minor or major AE is going to be exponentially higher now. And it's also important to point out that the variants have changed so much that you have an even greater degree of negative efficacy, ADE, original antigenic sin, and all that stuff. They, they just say this blithely. It's unbelievable. It's like, yeah, this is this is so this is gonna instill confidence. Among participants who experienced COVID-19 vaccination adverse events, 
87.5% had pain at the injection site. Okay, all right, fine. 84.5% reported fatigue. 69% had a headache. 67% had fever. 67% had fever. 39.7%, almost 40, had chills. And 19% had nausea and vomiting. And among women, it was even more. They note women experienced it a lot more, which almost every study seems to show that. And then they just throw in other adverse effects have been recorded. They don't say the amount, but it seems like it was pretty significant. Menstrual disturbance, lymph node enlargement, muscle and bone aches, runny nose, red eye, flu, and drowsiness. Of note, 75.6% of participants, that's three quarters of all participants, reported using medication to avoid or mitigate vaccination side effects. This is nuts. So right off the bat, before we get to the serious things, these, you would say, are minor. 75% felt they had to use Advil or whatever. Dude, couple couple things to mention here. First of all, for Omicron, that's what you would get from the pathogen. So you're giving them up front a shot that you know is extremely risky. Up front, even if it would work, it gives them essentially COVID. And then, of course, it doesn't work. And it makes it more likely they get COVID on top of it. So they get double COVID. And then it erases their natural immunity, as we talked about last week. But you understand what that means. Up front, and these are 12 to 18-year-olds, where this would be the upper bounds of what you got from the original COVID, much less this version of it, much less the fact that most people already got it. So, I mean, this is unreal. That in itself should not be overlooked. And also, just just from... um pathophysiological standpoint. It's one thing if you had a shot that was studied over 10, 15 years and was conclusively proven no serious AEs, short-term or long-term. Long-term, it's safe. But short-term, half the people tend to get like, you know, fever, chills, headache, flu-like symptoms. All right, okay, that's one thing. But the fact that we don't know long-term and we do know short-term, a few percent get serious adverse events and, you know, a half a percent or a third of a percent die from it. So the fact that 50, 60% get this degree of inflammation, that makes you wonder, are they okay? Who's to say this is not that that is not going to fester inflammatory-wise and create long-term autoimmune disorders and cancers? You know what I'm saying? Even if they didn't get myocarditis and other things short-term. The answer is we don't know that, and the answer is there's a likelihood that some magnitude of order beyond the serious AEs, the people that got the minor AEs, long-term will experience serious AEs that will never be traced back to it. It's a very important point that you can't miss. That's a red flag. They're getting us acculturated. They literally, it's, it's disgusting. It's grooming. They have it in all their literature now. Like, yeah, this is what to expect. You're going to be sick. Whoa, that's not okay. You typically, you had once in a while, you had a small percentage of people. But if now you're going to say the majority of people, 50%, 60%, will experience flu-like symptoms, and that's normal, that's not normal. That's not okay. That means off the bat, it's creating way too much inflammation. It's also important to point out that, as always, they noted that Moderna was worse than Pfizer, which, of course, it's, it's a, you know 100 micrograms, a bigger dose, Again, it's all about dose dependency. 
Meaning the only saving grace is that they eased off on the dose. If they gave a minimal effective dose, everyone would be dead. Um, so that's what that. And I just want to mention that it's important to note that also the numbers I'm giving you, the numbers I'm giving you, they are, it's something like 90% was Pfizer, 80%, 90% was Pfizer. So if you if you take the Moderna shot, these numbers are going to be, you know, your likelihood of all this, all the numbers I throw at you are going to be much greater. Two more interesting observations before we get to the series AEs. After adjustments, the incidence of headaches increased by about 5.6-fold for those who got two shots compared to those who got one. So again, what that shows you about dose dependency is you could imagine that if you're gaming out dose 3, 4, 5, which this didn't have any, the numbers are going to be exponentially higher. Also, this is important. They found a 2.4-fold increase in those reporting post-vaccination symptoms among those who already had COVID. You remember I reported this. Man, the first time I reported I must have reported it at least 15 months ago. That it's not just that if you had the shots, if, if I'm sorry, if you had the virus, you don't need the shots even if the shots worked and were safe. But that you're actually more prone to an inflammatory response because your body is already primed. So it's like lighting a match in a room with f- full of gas. Those who are already primed for the spike, like 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 studies have been showing for, for over a year, you're 2.4 fold more likely to increase serious AEs. So I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this that they are trading upfront flu-like symptoms with the risk of serious short-term and long-term damage and death in return for long-term negative efficacy against a variant that is less virulent than the flu and for a broader virus that never threatened young people and when almost all of them already had the virus and it will likely erase their immunity but not before making them even more at risk because they already had the, the virus. The, again, this is something, this is the Fourth Reich. Again, go to trialsandexecution.com. Download the first chapter of the book You know, Steve Dace and I are putting out. Confronting COVID Fascism with a New Nuremberg Trial So This Never Happens Again. Order the book on Barnes & Noble or Amazon. You can order it at trialsandexecution.com. We can't walk away from this, but Republicans aren't, aren't even, they're done with it. This is not over with. Now let's move on to the serious side effects. They say 2.3% of those who had symptoms, I believe, I believe it's those who had symptoms, I don't think it's of the whole pie, were hospitalized. And they're like, that's nothing. Well, that's 1.265% of the study sample was hospitalized. And that's about what I estimated, remember we've been doing shows like once a week on this, using a bunch of data points that it's honing in on a specific number. I say a few million were seriously injured. If you extrapolate 1.265% of those, what, like 224 million who got the shots, that's about 2.82 million people. 2.82 million. And remember, increasingly it's more potent with the third, fourth, fifth doses. 
So that's going to be, meaning that that would be an extrapolation of just two dose worth. Um, this is much more. Remember, about three million people have been added to the disability rolls. Unexplained. Seven percent needed to see a doctor. Seven percent of those who had symptoms. That works out to be eight point five million people in the in the U.S. Again, it jives with all the other estimates we have seen. I don't think you could begin to imagine the degree of death, injury, long-term injury that will turn into excess deaths for years to come if we don't get ahead of this, diagnose it, fund treatment for it. This is the biggest pro-life issue you can ever imagine. And by the way, you know the mice, you know the new bivalent booster that they approved based on mice, so they have preliminary results from a small human trial it turns out that it has less efficacy than the previous shot. And when I say less efficacy, there is a degree of efficacy that it has for a few weeks, but that's actually worse than no efficacy because that's what creates the negative efficacy. It's that suboptimal antibody response that wanes and creates ADE. We now have it proven in this Japanese study, um, in vitro study that actually has proven antibody-dependent disease enhancement with Omicron, and, and no one cares. And no one cares. They're still being approved. The more they're proven dangerous, the more they're like, yeah. And therefore, we're going to approve this, whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. It's unbelievable. This is, um, it's published in Nature. Japanese study. Reevaluation of antibody-dependent enhancement of infection anti-SARS-CoV-2 therapeutic antibodies. Some sera from individuals vaccinated with mRNA vaccine targeted the S protein also exhibited ADE potential against infection with the original strain. All sera examined, including sera showing neutralizing activity against the original Wuhan strain, exhibited no neutralizing activity against Omicron. Rather, some ADE activity was observed in some sera. You can't make this stuff up. Everything they do that's forced on you to save you does the exact opposite. And again, Pfizer had in their own documents from day one, the FDA memorandum from day one before a single person ever got this. We don't know about ADE, but it will be a risk with winning immunity. And now it's like we've known about winning immunity for a year and a half, and they admit it. That's why they say you have to get a booster. And they're like, they won't talk about ADE. Well, winning immunity is, is a problem of negative efficacy. Again, no Republican will pursue this line, line of thought. We have reams of evidence. You could convict people based on this if they weren't exempt from immunity. And by the way, we need to challenge that. Who's to say they should be exempt from immunity? We now have all the data that this doesn't stop infection. Doesn't prevent against serious illness either. But everyone agrees it doesn't stop infection. That's not a vaccine. Remember, it's only vaccines that are immune. Now, you might say the PrEP Act doesn't make them immune, but if you would, if we would be able to have the PrEP Act expire, at least under the 86 Act, it shouldn't be covered, and we need to test this in the courts. I mean, this is just out of control. This is out of control. And yet there's no impetus from Republicans to do anything.
Again, it reminds me of that news service where they would give the news and take off their clothes while they were doing it, literally, as if you didn't see what was going on. Like, yeah, everyone's dying, this is killing people, and therefore we're going to have even more. Um, this is amazing. I mean, only 2.3% saw that, you know, needed to go to the hospital. That's almost 3 million people in the U.S., and that's like tens of millions of people globally. This is the funniest thing. This is an article from Sky News. More people have been dying this year due to a regular heartbeat. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Um, they admit it. <clears throat> Deaths in this category had the second highest excess mortality figures in March and April, up from being the eighth highest in February. Um, and they go through all the excess deaths, jumping uh, total number of deaths due to an irregular heartbeat was 37.1% above average in March and 23% above average in April. Percentages remain high in May and June, 30 and 18%, 39 and 18% respectively. Overall, 3,848 excess deaths were registered in England and Wales in the first half of 2022 to a regular heartbeat, cardiac arrhythmias. And um, they, they, they have nothing to say. It's all over the literature. It's all over Pfizer's own adverse reporting. It's all over everyone's adverse reporting, VAERS, the UK, uh, Yellow Card System, the European Union, uh, uh, pharmacovigilance doesn't matter nothing matters at this point and yet to start off the show I asked you is there anything that our government could do killing, raping, maiming violating human rights that would spawn a righteous focused reaction in the states and a budget fight at a, at a federal level and the answer is no not unless we force it, but I don't know how we force it. And then we have the energy problem. Like, dude, we can't, even if we knew that we had an amazingly righteous Republican Congress that would help us out coming in January, we can't wait till then. That's already through the heart of the winter. You know, you have um, uh, the Energy Information Administration anticipates the residential price of electricity will average. Um, 7.5% higher than last year. Okay? And again, that's going to create scarcity. On the transhuman front, connected to this, Switzerland environment minister suggests people shower together to save energy. I mean, I mean, they're blatantly at this point. We are at the wear a mask lockdown stage already. Simonetta Somaruga suggests that people turn off the computer when you don't need it, turn off the lights, shower together. We're only a half a step behind Europe, and the more they fund Ukraine boondoggle, antagonize Russia, embargo them, while of course shutting down our own fossil fuels and tilting the market towards fake energy and making our grid reliant on wind, including in red states like Oklahoma and Texas the more we're going to have Europe's problem. And then they're going to push, they're pushing the flu shots as we speak on people. This is not okay. It has negative efficacy. It probably creates autoimmune, certainly immune suppression. 
We need a commission on other shots. There's a study out that between three and five months of age, children who received DTP and the OPV, which is the oral um, polio shot, had a five-fold higher mortality than those who weren't vaccinated. We've been lied to likely about other shots as well. But even if you think they're all pristine, we know the flu shot doesn't work. We know now we understand negative, you know, uh, leaky shots have negative efficacy. We understand that um, all respiratory viral vaccines create a misfiring of original antigenic sin. That, That at a minimum is true, even if you don't have the heart problems and other problems in the flu shot. We know that they're creating a flu shot with mRNA for probably for next season. Uh, Nipah virus, RSV, many others, and there is no backstop. It'll be put on the child's schedule. You'll be kicked out of school for not getting it. And even without mandates, I mean, how do you allow people to be killed from this? There's no mandate to get an abortion, yet we fight it. But all these governors, oh, the Family Research Council had this uh, policy confab, and Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt was just, yeah, we're going to fight for you know religious freedom and abortion. And meanwhile, he pushes the clot shots, he pushes green energy, pushes jailbreak, pushes open borders, pushes refugee resettlement. I mean, these are, it's every Republican in every state. There's a reason why people can't stop talking about Ron DeSantis, because it's a party of one. There's two political parties in this country. There's the the Republicrat, Demonkin, you know, confab there. You know, that one uniparty. And Ron DeSantis, (laughs) The problem is he's one man in one state. Imagine if you had a party full of people like that up and back, up and down the local, state, and federal litany of positions. Imagine the goodness we can do. But we don't have it. So this is why I wanted to give you a picture of why it seems like we're winning on the issues, and the polls show that. But the public doesn't realize how subversive Republicans are, right? You know, if you have one side advocating one thing, everyone always understands, well, there's another side to the story. What Republicans beautifully do, and this is very important, is they marginalize any legitimate opposition by confining the degree of their opposition to 0.1% of the landscape. So that means that everything aside from that, there's consensus, and it marginalizes any ability to fight that. Well, both parties agree this is not a problem. This is what they do. They fight on 0.1%. And then 5-10% they'll rhetorically complain about, but they'll not, not only won't do anything about it, but they'll make it worse and ensure and viciously fight, and for sure nothing could be done about it, and viciously fight those who try to do something about it. So this is where Republicans are now. Here there's another study out, evidence of maternal antibodies elicited by COVID-19 vaccination in amniotic fluid. Two case studies in Italy. We now know it's passing down through breast milk, through the fluid. We're seeing that with babies being born with, with cardiac arrhythmia, by the way. We're seeing, we now know that, um, and this is a whole nother show needs to be done on this, but we now know that it passes down in the genes. Not only does it change your genes, but it, it goes into the offspring 
Um, Ryan Cole said this recently with, I'm just quoting from him, with a lipid nanoparticle and mRNA in a mouse study, the genes that were turned on and off in their immune system pattern were passed on to the next generation. Every litter of mice, four litters in a row that had that this mom had, had these gene alterations imprinted after her immune system was altered by the shots. Um, Igor Chudov a couple weeks ago had a good paper on that. And, uh, you know, based on that mouse study, I mean, this is this is straight up. This is in their own literature of the manufacturers. Okay, they brag about it, and they're, they could patent it. It's gene alteration. I mean, they're literally doing this. And, and you know, when you see immune system altering, you're probably thinking, oh, you have a crappy immune system. You're going to get a lot of viruses. Well, that's one thing. But as Ryan Cole to- told us in multiple different ways, you know, Turning off the what is it the P fifty three is that the 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 gene um, the anti cancer gene I mean when you see immune system disruptions you're gonna have cancers and that's gonna be passed on to children and we're gonna see all these you know there's already a lot of talk about children with these mystery illnesses RSV is gonna get worse and they're gonna say look these children were young they didn't get the COVID shot. And they're right, but it will be passed down from the parents who did, either through the it could spread from them, or you know if they were you know in the house, or if they weren't born yet, it will go into the offspring through the reproductive system. And then they're going to be able to come and say, "Hey, look, look at this RSV. RSV is worse than ever. RSV is legitimately killing children. We need Pfizer and Moderna's mRNA, RSV, COVID, and flu triple combo, and we don't have a single backstop." To, to point out who's causing this, why it's being caused, the solution to it, and hanging the people to do it. But we are doing that. Trialsandexecution.com. At C19 Truth Bombs on Telegram is where you can find my you know, hour-to-hour musings. Email me at danielherowitz at startmail.com. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.